Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, reminder, Greg Raystraw going to join us at 8 o'clock. Matt Taylor, radio voice of the Colts, he'll be joining us in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin is still hanging out there watching the uh, watching the sunset and doing a little sports radio in Florida. Me and Mark Dighton hanging out in the drive. Hubler.com studio. You know, I'm flipping through Instagram, uh, Instagram KB. And uh, between all the Instagram models, I do have uh, a little pacer highlight here. Uh, did you happen to see? I, listen, I know you're on, you know, you guys are out having a good time and everything. You're watching the pacers. Did you happen to see the pass to Turner that was in transition? The dime that he threw to Turner and Turner goes in for the dunk. If not, you got to see it. Maybe the best pass yeah. he's had all season. Yeah, and this gets back to something we talked about when he had that great turnover uh, turnover less streak, if that makes sense. You know, when he had the whatever, the 40 straight assists without a turnover. That pass reminded me of like, it's not like he's throwing like fundamental bounce right. passes and he's straying away from any sort of high risk passes. That one last night, you know, the lobs to Obi Toppin from, from midcourt. Um, it's he is a basketball wizard and we, we should not take him for for granted you know again it's been a couple of weeks since we've seen this type of performance but it's a video game 21 points 20 assists zero turnovers that is a video game like performance from Tyrese Halliburton and boy do the Pacers need it I know plus minus can get a little skewy and I've brought it up a few times but you know the fact that he ended the game plus I think it was 32 could not be more indicative of how he <laughs> it was, was just in full control when he was on the floor. Yeah, it was. Uh, Turner was plus 30. Neesmith plus 25. Buddy Heald, who I thought had a really good game, hit some timely shots. He was plus 22. All right, so here's what I want to do. In the next 30, we have about 25 minutes in this segment before we get our guy Greg Rakestraw up. Uh, Reggie Wayne, in about 10, 15 minutes, KB, you know, the numbers came out. Indy Star did a good piece on Reggie Wayne, kind of where he stands. I wanted to break that down. I wanted actually stick up for Reggie Wayne bit by I'm not sure he makes it to the Hall of Fame this time around I think he may have to wait until next year uh, we can debate that but I, I think if you look at purely his numbers and I'm a longevity guy as well I think Reggie Wayne uh, should be in perhaps over a guy like Torrey Holt Andre Johnson's going to be a big discussion as well so I want to do that I have some Shane Steichen sound I want to play here in a second but uh, we'll do our official picks coming up in about an hour how do you view this game where do you sit right now on Colts Raiders obviously we know how huge of a game it is we know for the most part this season that this Colts team has bounced back we also know that the Raiders have a little bit of mojo and a much of that is from the defensive side of the football the Colts is healthy I understand Julian Blackman is going to be out but as healthy as they have been probably for the last month or so and that is if Braden Smith and Michael Pittman Jr. are out there playing on Sunday so as the scene is right now on this Friday. What do you make of the game? What do you think about the game? <laughs> Thank you for the important caveat as the scene is on this Friday because obviously this time last week we thought Michael Pittman was going to play. Um, I I feel pretty good about the Colts. Um, you know, again, I kind of teased it before the break. 
I think when you look at the Raiders the last two weeks, to score two defensive touchdowns in each of those games, uh, that has not been done in consecutive games by any NFL team since the 2012 Bears. So, you know, just that alone is a bit fluky. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Gardner Mitchell's had some turnover issues this season, but um, still, I, I don't expect that or don't think the Raiders can necessarily just rely on that. I'm very curious how they emotionally respond from the Kansas City game on a short week. That was their Super Bowl, and I know they're still in the playoff mix, but you just see the reactions after the game, and you know that was a bit kind of like Colt almost beating the Patriot, like um, if you want to go back a decade or so. Um, and then you bring up like the loss of Julian Blackman. Again, I think having Pittman and Braden Smith back are so, so vital for the Colts. I also can sit here and totally acknowledge that Julian Blackman is a significant loss, and I do think he's an underrated guy. But, Andy, is Aiden O'Connell the one to expose that? Right. Well, you would hope like, not. That's, you know, right. Well, yes, you would you'd certainly hope not. But, like, that's where I'm a little bit in doubt if I'm a Raiders fan of, like, oh, is O'Connell a guy that's going to test you vertically? And, you know, sure, Blackman does a lot of stuff even underneath of getting guys lined up. And, um, you know, I guess basically it's how much can a rookie quarterback who has pretty much looked like a rookie, a, a couple of nice moments, mostly mediocre moments from Aiden O'Connell, how much can he test the communication of Indianapolis? How much can the Raiders dress up, if you will, and get Nick Cross and Rodney Thomas and the the back line of the defense and the second level of your defense? How much can you know they kind of test that and, and, and really make you think, especially on the road? Um, so that's kind of where I sit here on this Friday. And then just lastly, I would probably add to Andy, um, again, mentioned it to Joel Erickson. We had him on yesterday. In the last 18 games, Jonathan Taylor's had over 100 yards one time. I don't think that's truly indicative of, like, Taylor's lack of success. Um, But, you know, can that trench unit obviously get back to what we saw, you know, two weeks ago against Pittsburgh and certainly not we saw on Sunday against the Falcons? Yeah, I want to get to that running stuff here in just a second. So, Mark, get that Shane Steichen clip from earlier in the week. We'll dive into that. You know, KB, as you're talking, I I am – I am perplexed by the Raiders. Like, just as a whole. I am perplexed as a team. I mean, they went out and they scored three points against the Vikings a couple weeks ago, dude. They they scored zero points. They lost 3-0 to the Vikings a couple weeks ago. And Aiden O'Connell, who might end up being, listen, I I think at least to the least, and this is not me putting him down, I think to the least he is going to be a backup quarterback and is going to get some chances to start some games. But, I mean, if you're the Colts and you let let Aiden O'Connell beat you, I mean, I guess this is a shot at my man AOC, okay? Uh, the the second AOC, if you will. That's oh a political boy. joke, okay? Come on, everybody. It's a Friday. Like, if you let him walk in here, and you're right, and find Devontae Adams, and find Jacoby Myers, and have those guys, you know, play well against you, that's not going to be a good look when everything's on the line. If Aiden, Connell and, uh, Aiden O'Connell, and I don't know what the, like, the line would be, how many yards he needs to have or not have, or touchdowns, or whatever. It may be so like they don't have quarterback play right now that is even average. Josh Jacobs is out. I mean, Josh Jacobs has played 
all intents and purposes, his final game as a Raider. So you don't have them, okay? But what you do have is a team that has some moxie, that has some momentum, and then on top of it, I'm with you, though. Does that mean they've used all of that up the last two weeks, especially, especially last week going to Kansas City and doing what they did? And I don't know the answer to that. If I took the... The cockiness and the way that defense played, and I bottled that up, and I took that to the Colts, and I look at what the Colts did against Atlanta, I'd be scared to death, would I not? But but I, I, I am admitting that the Raiders do not have a very good offense, and I am admitting that I think the Atlanta game also for the Colts was an outlier, right? And so this game is confusing. I woke up this morning wanting to lean more Colts. You know I've been Raiders all week. We have 45 minutes to our pick, but it's just I feel like there's some real highs with this Raider team, but I also feel like they are inept at a couple different spots uh, as well. It's a very confusing game. To me, Last, you know, you look at it when they lost three in a row and they're scoring 16 points against the Jets. You go back the last like four or five weeks and I have felt like this was a win for the Colts. As much as you can go down the schedule and put a W next to games and put an L next to games, I put a W uh, next to this game, and I no longer feel that way, and that's the only reason that I have a little bit of a uh, of of a pit in my stomach on this game, just because I could foresee that defense and that defensive line making Gardner Minshew Sunday afternoon a living hell. And if that happens, this team has shown if he plays bad and turns the ball over, they'll lose a game. It's scary. Yeah. I- Again, when Max Bowen wakes up this morning, I will tell him he's named after Max Crosby. Good. I mean, I, I think Crosby's the a stud. And, and, and first, second, third down stud. I mean, this is not just a pass rusher. It's not just a run defender. Uh, he's outstanding. And then you think about Devontae Adams, and, and I still think there's plenty of juice left in that. Um, you know, you think back to last, year, last year's matchup with the Raiders. You know, Adams had, I think it was nine for 120 uh, in that game. And that was with Stephon Gilmore, you know, making the play there late. Now, Adams was really quiet last week against Kansas City. It's a lot of young secondary guys. So I am curious just, you know, again, how, you know, do the Colts handle that? How does Gus Bradley handle that? You know, do you try to get Kenny Moore matchup in some situations with him? That is a big height differential. Is that something that would concern you at all? So um, they're they're a little banged up on the O-line. That's probably something that we should mention as well. And again, does not look like Josh Jacobs is going to give it a go. Uh, They still have run it pretty effectively without him here in re- recent weeks, but I would say I'm probably more of a Colts lean here as we sit on Friday morning, and the Michael pittman Braden smith combo is a huge, huge part of that. Uh, okay, so Greg Rakesar going to join us at 8 o'clock. I want to get to some Reggie Wayne stuff. Before we do that, running the football, uh, Shane Steichen, I believe this is going back, KB, to Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the last time he spoke with the media, it could have been Monday. I have my days all mixed up. Here's Shane Steichen. He was asked directly, why aren't you guys consistently able to run the football? Yeah, I think we've had our weeks, right? Obviously, we had a good week against you know Pittsburgh, and then we didn't have it last week, and uh, we got to get you know we got to get that going. You know, I think obviously the run game's huge. You know, you can lean on the run. Uh, that opens up the pass game, and and uh, we got to be great up front this week. You know what I mean? I think both sides of the football, offensive and defensive line. You know, we got to set the tone. So you I mean, know, one I, thing to know, Andy. Yeah, one thing to know. I mean, the Colts have responded usually pretty well this season. You know, it's not like they've had long losing streaks. Um, they, you know, 
individual units that have played poorly, like the offensive line that's been a bit Jekyll and Hyde. You know, that we saw how they responded from Cincinnati to Pittsburgh. So I think that's where you do have a little bit of optimism. And just, you know, urgency should be different. It should be pissed off urgency for the, for the Colts, whereas the Raiders come into this one and it's they've celebrated this win, you know, more so than any other regular season win in, in, in years for that franchise. So just from a psyche standpoint, I think I'd rather have the pissed off urgency team than the team coming in here again, short week, multiple time zones. Um, so it does sound like maybe I'm a little bit more comfortable with the Colts and you're a little bit more uh, on the, uh, on the fence here. Yeah, I'm probably on the fence. I think it's going to be a close game. I really do think it's going to be a close game. Let's go back to what Steichen said. You know, they have been KB, the importance of, of running the ball here. They have been an inconsistent team at running the ball. I Now, I have been consistent in next year, if Anthony Richardson is healthy and he is playing the majority of the games, the thing that I think that we will see that will be most different for this team, I mean, yes, of course, sack numbers because AR will be able to get out of the pocket and make you know something out of nothing, but I really think... You know, I think Steichen is going to want to run the football. They really ran the football down people's throats in Philadelphia with Shane Steichen. And this year, there's been good running games. There's been bad running games. And even recently, you know, two games ago, uh, you look at the Steelers game. You know, we talk about Zach Moss goes out of the game. You still had the injury to Jonathan Taylor. And you run for... 170 yards against that defensive front, that defense with Pittsburgh. And then the next game, you come back, and it's not that. The game before, what was uh, the Bengals? You ran for 46 yards in that game. So I did the numbers, and and here's the problem with it. The numbers aren't that crazy. In wins, Kevin Bowen, they average 123 yards uh, rushing in wins. In losses, it's 101 and so I went out there thinking the numbers would be more lopsided than it is, and that's just not the case. They are an inconsistent team when it comes to running the football. Why does that matter to me? It matters to me in this game because Max Crosby is a guy like the Bengals had. Max Crosby is a guy like, uh, and that defensive front is like we saw with teams earlier this year, whether it be Aaron Donald, whether it be Miles Garrett in what he did in Cleveland, and what those teams were able Able to do is 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 make Gardner Minshew second guess a bunch of stuff, and if this team can't run, now I'm relying on not Jonathan Taylor and Gardner Minshew in that offense. I'm relying the onus is really on Gardner Minshew, and that's when I get nervous that you get a turnover. You know he's been susceptible to a fumble. Uh, we have seen those things. Suddenly, a couple of those things happen. That's how you lost the Browns game was giving short fields to at that time a pathetic offense and giving them free points whether it be the sack in the end zone whether it be some what two field goals in that game Uh, and so that's what worries me the most is is can they run the ball consistently in this game and it's been a lost year for Jonathan Taylor, uh, right? I mean, it's been a lost year, and now you need him and that offensive line to win their battles up front. To me, that's where the game's going to be made. If they can stop the run and say, now we can pin our ears back on Gardner Minshew, that's when I think the margin for air lessens for the Colts on Sunday. 
we will see. I think eventually he will be a Hall of Fame wideout if he continues to do this for a couple more years. We will see a Hall of Famer and Devontae Adams coming up here on Sunday. I know you wanted to touch on Reggie Wayne and his candidacy after the announcement was, uh, what was that, Wednesday night, I guess, uh, that he is a finalist along with Dwight Franey here for 2024. I've always thought this about Wayne. First off, there's a log jam at wideouts. Um, that's an issue that the Hall of Fame has had now for several years, and it's only going to grow with how the game continues to be more pass happy. Why Reggie Wayne deserves to be a Hall of Famer, among all the reasons, consistency, you know, just the regular season numbers. Andy, look at his postseason resume. I mean, he is one of the more decorated postseason wideouts. And when you get to that part of the year, and yeah, scouting reports, whatever, get more intense and just the pressure rises, um, a cool, calm, collected competitor, which is exactly how I would describe Reggie Wayne, he delivered on those stages uh, routinely. And so for me, that is why uh, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And I, I, I think there's a chance this year, but I'm a little nervous about Torrey Holt getting in just because he's waited so long and there seems to be some politics involved with that sort of process. But yeah, Reggie Wayne uh, to me is definitely a Hall of Famer. Yeah, give me clip seven here, Mark. Here's Reggie Wayne yesterday. If he makes the Hall of Fame, the kind of party he's going to have. This is pretty good stuff. Oh, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a celebration. It's going to be fun times. That's why I keep telling everybody. Like, man, you, this is your year. You're going to get in. I say, look, you'll know when I get in. It'll be a party. And if I'm still coaching, you can best believe I'm going to be absent for a little while. <laughs> I love the media chuckle at the end, KB. It's too bad you weren't a part of the media chuckle around Reggie uh, Wayne. Uh, I'm chuckling down here. Yes, yeah. I, I would vote Edrin James is maybe the only one to have a bigger party than old Reg. Oh, goodness. What was it? He was at camp. Was it, wasn't it? Uh, was Edge at camp? I remember him being at camp when, when I first started, and then like two weeks later, he was the video of him riding around with a bunch of money in his backseat came out, which is fantastic as well. I mean, for me, and the Indy Star did a good job kind of laying all this out. Uh, Reggie Wayne, not to, not to bore you and cloud you with numbers, Reggie Wayne has more catches than Andre Johnson and Torrey Holt, and those are the guys that he's kind of up against perhaps this time around. In fact, he has almost 100 more uh, than Holt. He has more receiving yards, and he has more touchdowns in his career. In fact, he is substantially seven more than Holt, 12 more than Johnson. Um, Reggie Wayne made six Pro Bowls. Now, Holt and Johnson made seven, and the argument there is, Kevin, that everyone who's made at least seven Pro Bowls is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so, you know, again, well, what do those guys have to wait? Either way, we know they're all getting in. Now, the biggest item against Wayne would be that Johnson and Holt both led the league in receiving yards and catches twice. So the argument would be made more that at, 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 at any point was Reggie Wayne considered the best wide receiver in the league. Well, you could you could have considered Johnson and or Holt that a couple different times in his career. But, you know, I look at impactful years, not just total years, and they're about the same. You know, Torrey Holt had about 11, what I would say would be high-impact years. Reggie Wayne was right around 12-13, and Johnson was right around 12-13 as well. Uh, But to me, one of the things, and you mentioned, I'm glad you did, being a winner, winning a Super Bowl, uh, and then on top of it, what he did in the postseason, both Reggie Wayne and Holt have that. 
uh, obviously over Johnson. And then, you know, it always comes down to, well, Johnson had Matt Schaub uh, as his quarterback. So are you going to say, well, his numbers are skewed because he had Schaub and Reggie Wayne had Andrew Luck and Paid Manning. And we know the greatest show on turf and a revolutionary offense and everything else with Kurt Warner there with the Rams. Uh, to me, I always wonder why you can't put all three in. Uh, but Reggie Wayne more than holds his own. In fact, I think Reggie Wayne has a better resume than potentially those guys with that being said don't you feel like he may have to wait one more year but if that's the case I think we can plan that next year Reggie Wayne will be a Hall of Famer you know Andy I think a lot of people would find it kind of wild that Reggie Wayne has 38 more postseason catches than Marvin Harrison um, if you look at the resume again in the postseason fifth all-time in catches Jerry Rice Travis Kelsey and then your, uh, your Patriots and Edelman and Gronk. Those are the only guys above him on that list. So, uh, yes, it, it, to me, it, it, uh, unfortunately, and this is kind of the wide-out MO. I mean, I was I, I thought it was an absolute joke that Marvin Harrison was not a first-bout Hall of Famer. I mean, to me, it's like he, th- that dude's got to wait three years to get in right. because they had this wide-out. I mean, I think it was Andre Reid, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, got Andre, in Andre Reid, he sat like, a while. No. It's because he sat yeah. a while. Yeah, he sat over a decade. Right. But, but to me, like, that's... I think there should be, you know, the first ballot nature should mean something. Like if you are an elite player, I don't care if you've got guys in your position group that have sat for a while. If you're elite, like Antonio Gates, right? He should be a first ballot coming up this year. Uh, and there, I don't know, maybe there's other tight ends on the list that have waited, but uh, to me, that's just the politics of it that I do not like. Uh, one thing to keep an eye on for this weekend again, Andy. Tomorrow we're going to get Lions and Cowboys. That will be a Saturday night game for the NFL. Everything else is Sunday. I did want to make sure we mentioned games of note that the Colts would like to see go in their favor. You want Chiefs over Bengals. That is in Arrowhead. That's probably the biggest badly. of all these games. Yeah, badly. Um, you need that badly. Seahawks, Seahawks are at home over Steelers. You would like that as well. And then AFC Southwise, Panthers over Jacksonville. Did I see Trevor Lawrence? I felt like that was kind of conflicting yesterday. He did not practice, right? Uh, let me look. Uh, d- 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 Trevor Lawrence. Uh, d- I know d- CJ Stroud. Has he he did not protocol. practice. Yeah, he did not practice on Thursday. Okay. Did not. Correct. So, so that could be Bryce Young versus CJ Beathard in that one, and then um, Tennessee over Houston. And and again, CJ Stroud has cleared concussion protocol. If you want to get a little bit greedy, you know, New England over Buffalo. But I know in this market, a lot of fans are not going to abide by that whatsoever so uh, those are some games of note for the Colts here coming up in week 17 again it'll be Matt Ryan Tiki Barber Andrew Catalan on the call coming up Sunday at one o'clock our coverage 9 a.m. right here on the fan all right it's always a busy weekend when you get into this final Saturday coming up here in the month of December for Greg Rakestraw I know that's a little Hall of Fame classic action among other things and we've got a big one for the Sycamores of Indiana State tomorrow uh, think back to 1979 with Larry and Magic. Want to toss that rake's way? We'll do that on the other side. It is the wake up call of KB and Andy on 93.5-1075, The Fan. Yeah, eight o'clock hour hanging on the drive. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Hubler.com studios. I should have looked this up during the break, but uh, I'm not going to lie. Kevin, uh, we're going to do this before Rake comes on because I meant to mention it last segment. Uh, you remember the big tall guy who was at the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame? He used to be the one, the huge guy. He's like a giant. Oh, He's David like Baker. Shrek. Yes. Remember, he would go knock on your door and tell you you were a Hall of Famer. Right. I, I, I don't even mind uh, admitting this. I find myself being emotional watching those happen every single yeah. time. Like, dude, like yeah, every the, single time. Those were cool. I, I forget who it was. Mike Chappell can speak to this. Honestly, Greg Gregstrom might might know this. I thought Edron James uh, started to do the, hey, I'm not coming you know, to the Super Bowl site, unless I know I'm in. Like he didn't want to, you know, have think. Yeah, here I am in this hotel room, yeah. and I'm waiting for the knock. I'm waiting. It I'm waiting happens. for the knock. But uh, remember the one they did with Peyton, where they surprised Peyton at oh, in, yeah. uh, in Denver with his kids running out there and everything. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great one. I don't know. Like it almost brings a tear to my eye every every single time uh, that we saw that. He doesn't do he that. He retired. Salty. I know, man. He retired. I need to look up how they're going to do it. I I think they're going to like they they need to keep that tradition going. Whoever's going to do it, the knocking on the door, the organic reaction. That's what we need. Anyway, I figured I would uh, mention that. Greg Ragstraw joins us here on this Football Friday on the fan. He joins us courtesy of the Payless Lick. Hotline Rake, good morning. Happy holidays. How are you today, ma'am? I'm doing good, my friends. How are we doing? Uh, we are doing fantastic. Appreciate you joining us this morning. We were talking about it last segment. Reggie Wayne, Hall of Fame. You think he gets in this time around, or you think he's going to have to wait one more year? I, I certainly hope so. You know, and I mean, it's, it's certainly not a slam dunk. You know, I, I've kind of taken one glance at the candidates and start kind of saying, well, this guy's getting in, this guy's getting in. Obviously, it's kind of been like, hey, we're taking one wide receiver every class because the numbers are so good for all of them. So I am hopeful, but I kind of thought last year was going to be his year too. So uh, fingers and toes crossed for a good buddy of mine. I was fortunate enough to get to do a radio show with Reggie for a couple of different years. Reggie was very much one of the proactive guys in town that had a media presence. So it's not just somebody I covered. It's somebody I know well and consider a friend. So I'm hopeful like I am every year and uh, and hope this is the year. All right, Rake. Um, am I seeing this correctly? You've got a noon tip against the, the, the winless Detroit. Are they the Titans today? They are the Titans, despite the fact they are one of three winless teams currently in Division One men's basketball. So um, th- this is this is one of those games you have to have some heart and dedication to watch. Four and eight IUPUI, three wins against non-Division One competition. Oh, and thirteen Detroit Mercy only at noon on ESPN Plus. Gosh, that is. Um, I saw Detroit Mercy was favored. I, I don't know if you're allowed to comment on that, so we'll just move on there. But uh, yeah, that is on Rake's slate here. Here's what I can say to that, Kevin. Detroit Mercy is 352 in the net rankings. IUPUI is 358. One spot above Notre Dame, I believe, who we witnessed in person here a couple of weeks back. Uh, he is. The great, great Greg Straw, uh, Hall of Fame Classic, of course, coming up tomorrow. Definitely want to touch on that. Uh, but I, I want to stick kind of in the mid-major realm, Rake, and go to Indiana State. And you know, I was listening to you with Josh Schertz earlier in the week. And, you know, when you think to this game, Indiana State against Michigan State, first off, credit to Tom Izzo for scheduling. I think, you know, obviously a very quality opponent, not something you see quite often. 
if you put it into resume terms, like what, what, like if they win, if Indiana State goes to East Lansing, I know Michigan State has not had you know the same sort of season we thought so far. But right, could they like lose a game or two in the Missouri Valley and still maybe even get an at-large bid? Is is Indiana State built like that type of resume so far? That is absolutely what you are looking at because we have entered this realm now where there's only five or six games that a power four, power five, power six school, however many conferences we throw in that power rating in, in men's basketball, will play against competition that's not like them. Because everybody plays 18 or 20 league games at this point. Everybody plays in a rather sizable holiday tournament. And you've got your conference showcase. And you've got your neutral site games, which are all great things. The one that is done is like those five or six games you play against mid to low major competitions. Frankly, it's not against the mid major guys. It's the guys that have those net rankings that I just kind of talked about. They are true guarantee games. So it has become increasingly difficult for teams from the Valley, the Mid American Conference, um, you know, the, maybe the Atlantic 10s closer to that power level, the CAA, leagues like that to get games against major college competition. Indiana State's only loss was to Alabama uh, back on November the 10th. This was a game that that seemingly kind of came together late in the schedule from what Josh was talking about. They were looking to buy a home game. Uh, what was Indiana State? Didn't work out. Indiana State called. And uh, when you get a, a – it, it's a guaranteed game. So to let people know how this works, Indiana State's getting a check for $100,000 to go play, up and play in East Lansing, and they're hoping to bring a W back home with, you, with them. Um, I do. I think you nailed it. If Indiana State wins this game – I think all of a sudden now there is a chance that the Sycamores don't have to win their conference tournament. Um, I I think they would have to nearly run the table in the Valley to be able to potentially get in the tournament without having to win Arch Madness. Just a sheer number of victories, like 28, 29, 30, uh, might get them there without having to win three games in three days over in St. Louis. So, um, it's it's that is what is at stake. I'm not sure there's a lot of pressure on the state in this game, but there is a massive opportunity that comes with it. Let alone the simple walk down memory lane, you know. And, and when Josh goes, well, Magic Johnson's going to be there on Saturday, and mentions it kind of <laughs> casual. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of a big deal uh, that they're going to have tomorrow afternoon. Indiana State right now, Joey Brackets has them as a 12 seed. Now, he obviously has them as the automatic qualifier. We're talking about can they get in uh, at large. We'll see what happens. But he does have them and has had them in uh, as an NCAA tournament team for many, many weeks. Uh, Last college basketball one, KB, you threw this stat out a couple different times this week. You know, if Purdue beats Eastern Kentucky and Purdue's favored by 30 tonight, so they're going to beat Eastern Kentucky. Now, three straight years where they have not lost a game in the non-con and I kind of said I don't know what's crazier the fact that they beat all these good teams and great teams including what four or five teams in the top 12 this season or that they haven't just stubbed their toe right they just haven't stubbed their toe uh, before they got to Big Ten play how unique and how impressive is that streak should they beat Eastern Kentucky tonight it's a reminder just how good Purdue's been the last three years and I realized that you know, Sweet 16 and who they lost to, and then obviously what happened in the opening round last year um, has kind of, you know, 
I wouldn't say put an asterisk on that, um, but it's, it's, it's given people, and I've been guilty of this too, of saying, hey, that's great. Let me see you in March. Um, but we need to enjoy what they have been doing and need to enjoy how good Purdue has been. So that's what that is a reminder of. And again, the, the unbeaten non-conference, the quality of schedule is tremendous. That's always been the case. It's a little bit different now when you're playing league games in December. Right. Because right. there has always been this, we're undefeated, not, you're undefeated going to January. Not necessarily been the case. Obviously not the case this year uh, because of the conference loss at Northwestern. But look at the caliber of resume that Purdue has had so far this year. Eastern Kentucky will not impact that in tonight's game. And again, that's okay because of the quality of competition Purdue has already played. You know, when you play in Maui and you play three top 11 teams, when you play Arizona when they're number one and you're not, um, you know, it's just, again, this has been a really spectacular run over the last few years for Purdue. And goodness, I hope it has a different outcome come March and April. I, I, again, let's say this, I hope they're playing in April, which obviously wasn't going to happen or didn't happen the last couple of years. Speaking of the Boilermakers, Greg Rakestraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, part of the Hall of Fame Classic coming up tomorrow at Newcastle. That will be Kokomo, that will be Crispus Attics, that will be Brownsburg and Brownstown Central. Rake Jack Benter for Brownstown Central, a little banged up. Did I hear that correctly? Correct. So he has had a couple of different injuries so far this year. The copy of the starting lineups I've got for tomorrow have him in it. I hope that's the case. We were we had Brownstown in Brownsburg. They didn't play Brownsburg. They played in Brownsburg's tournament, the Galicko and Daly Sneakers for Santa shootout. Um, and he did not play against Lawrence North. And Brownstown just kind of hung on for about a quarter and a half, but but, but LN got past them. Um, Brownstown would have a very good two-way team without Jack Benner. When they have Jack, they're one of the best teams in the state, period. They've got other good size to kind of go around him. They then played in what is the best small school tournament in the state before Christmas, and that is the event, the Bobcat Classic, down at North Davies. He got hurt in that and didn't play, I think, either in the last game or in the last couple of games down there. So hopefully, having been off a week, we see Jack because he's the only guy that has a chance of being Mr. Basketball, not named Flory Badunga. And to Brownstown's credit, they have tried to schedule themselves in some really good kind of statewide events to showcase Jack. He's only kind of played in a game or two of those so far. They've kind of got one more of those. They are playing at Carmel in a couple of weeks. We'll ha- I'll have that game as well on ISC and, and on my Indy TV. Uh, but uh, hopefully we see Brownstown Central at full strength tomorrow. Busy. How has Florida Bedunga? Uh, sorry, Andy. How has Florida Bedunga looked this year, Rick? Put it in perspective. Um, he hit a couple of jump shots last week in the game against Jeffersonville, and my immediate response is I channeled when Happy Gilmore learned how to putt. <laughs> and I literally go, uh oh, and then uttered, uttered the rest of that line on TV. I, I, I see his game developing. He's still shooting 83, 84%. And there are times when he is such a good kid and a teammate that he doesn't shoot the ball as much as he should. Uh, I think against Fishers, when they got beat by 20, I think Flory shot the ball three or four times the entire game. I didn't, I didn't do that game. Uh, we had it on ISC. I didn't. That was the game played at Southport. 
and, and I didn't have that one. Um, but but he continues to get better. And again, last year you would hear me say this, that defensively rebounding passer athletically, he was ready to be a Division One basketball player last year. The thing that needed to work was more of his offensive game. Clearly that has gotten better. There are times when he will rebound the ball and he will lead the break and, and – you know, the student body is not putting up a stop sign like they would for Forrest Gump. It's okay. Uh, he has that skill set uh, in, in his uh, repertoire now. So, Flory has been fantastic. Uh, they've lost a couple of games. They've lost to two really good teams in terms of Westfield and Fishers. There's some new pieces there at Kokomo. They're getting things figured out. This is a year where uh, I think there's 10 to 15 teams in Flory that are all pretty good, and there's not much that separates them and Kokomo is one of them. That field that Kokomo had in their holiday tournament that, that we did on ISC last Friday and Saturday was really deep and really good. I think Plainfield's a pretty good team. They finished in the seventh-place game. Uh, and so I hope that translates to four really good games tomorrow in Newcastle. I asked this with a smile. Uh, how'd my alma mater look? How'd, how'd the old Red Devils look in that game? I know they lost. How's Jeff doing? Well, the Red Devils lost, um, but but I was very impressed with them. All right, there you yeah, go. They're a team that can make a deep run. Andy, I'm really? not sure if you see this, but they got beat on a three-quarter court shot yesterday. Oh, did so they? No, I didn't know that. They and South Bend Riley were both in the Kokomo event. Jeff finished second. Riley finished third. They played each other in Fisher's Holiday Tournament yesterday, which is also an eight-teamer. They played each other in the first round. Trey Singleton hits a shot with four seconds to go <laughs> to give the Red Devils a one-point lead, and I don't know the young man from Miami hit it, but oh. I've seen the video from the end zone. Shots one from about 55 and nothing but net. Complete oh, destruction. Oh, that's no great. No backboard, no rim, no nothing. Oh. Nails it, and, and Riley moves on to the winner's bracket. That's great. Jeff is really good. Jeff has four junior starters, so I think Jeff can make the semi-state round. And if you can hang with Kokomo, you can hang with, with anybody in the state. Cause I, I love the way they play. They're kind of an old-school wow. motion offense, share the ball type of team. You can tell Sharon has taken some things from playing from guys like Mike Brought and Bob Knight over the years. Oh, yeah. applies that to his coaching staff. So very impressed by Jeff, um, even though they got beat yesterday. They're a, they're a really good team this year. I think they're one of the best teams in the state next year. Yeah, my so bro, hopefully, my, hopefully alumni like you are filling yes, the well, Johnson Arena on a regular basis. <laughs> the William S. Johnson Arena. Yeah, Mike Broad and people don't care. He was my he was my freshman uh, algebra te- algebra teacher. But I took boy, I took the dumb math. It may have been pre algebra uh, at that point. Greg Rakestraw <laughs> with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Colts. How do they win? Do you think they bounce back? Uh, and what do you make of this Raider game after the last couple of weeks? That Raider defense has really stepped things up. I will keep saying the exact same things I've been saying all year. The Colts could win this game. Colts could lose this game. Um, I, I have no idea what to expect in this football team. The only thing that I will offer would be the last time the Colts faced a team that kind of appeared to have a similar DNA it was the Steelers, and they thrashed them. In other words, the Steelers came in with a really good defense and not much in the way of offense, which is kind of how the Raiders have shaped up, and that's not to be of offense to former Purdue Boilermaker Aiden O'Connell, but this is a team that clearly, when you look at that Chiefs game, it was their defense that carried them. 
I realized the game before the Raiders you know, put up 63 points, it appears the Chargers had rolled over by that point in time. I'll remind you the week before the Raiders lost at home 3 0, uh, to yep. use the soccer terminology, uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. So this is a Raiders team that, again, offensive struggles have been more the norm than, say, they normally would be. So the last time the Colts faced a team like this, they won in terms of beating the Steelers. So um, I, I think this will be an indication of, of Shane Steichen's coaching ability and simply of the guys in the locker room. A lot has been made of, here we go again, look at 2021, Yep. look at who was the next-to-last game, next-to-last opponent. It was the Raiders in this building, coached by an interim coach. Now, there is so much that has turned over from last year to this year, let alone from two years ago to this year. You can say different team, different room, different situation. But for those guys that are back from 2021, let's see how much they have learned from that experience and apply to Sunday afternoon. Rick, my only memory of that 2021 game is Hunter Renfro, fourth down on Kenny Moore. Uh, to ice it, like I, I have no memories of that game. What do do you remember? I mean, not that Colts fans want me to bring that up, but I guess I'm already too deep into it to back out now. Uh, what do you think? Like, what, do I have vivid memories of Carson Wentz? I, 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 what do you remember about that game? You know, in, in my mind, um, the NFL Films 30 minute highlight reel of the 2021 season, the credits roll after the Colts beat the Patriots on Sunday night before Christmas. And I realized <laughs> they won the next game at the Arizona yeah, the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. The Colts were, were really kind of hot garbage other than for one quarter in that game. And they found a way to win. Desmond Patman with the game-winning touchdown. Right. Oh, my sure. God. What a name. Carson that was a great Wentz play by Wentz. In, in, the, in, in the back of the end zone uh, to win mm-hmm. that game. But they didn't play great. They were very mediocre kind of whole home against the Raiders was like, you know what, dude, it's, it's Jacksonville. They're ter- Trevor Lawrence has been awful. They're going to go to Jacksonville and dominate, right? No, and and that led to the, the winter of discontent that carried over into all, seemingly, of 2022 uh, for us as Colts fans. So you're right. I actually remember going, well, that wasn't good, but uh, Colts, Jacksonville's <laughs> awful. They're going to go win in Jacksonville, Right. So it's very nondescript would be the memories of that game against the Raiders. You're right about that. Certainly for Colts faithful and Matt Taylor coming up at nine, uh, a lot of better memories coming up for one o'clock on Sunday is the hope here. He is Greg Rakestraw again. He's got the game of the century coming up at noon. That would be IUPUI in Detroit. And then tomorrow, a busy slate of the Hall of Fame classic with Kokomo, Attucks, Brownsburg and Brownstown Central. Rake, have a great weekend, man. And uh, thanks as always for the time. Happy New Year, boys. Talk to you next year. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Matt Taylor going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Voice of the Colts will get his thoughts on what happened last sen- uh, Sunday in Atlanta and what we think could happen with the Raiders game coming up this Sunday, 9 a.m. on Sunday, our coverage between the Raiders and the Colts. KB, are you ready to pick some games? Mark Dykton, are you ready to pick this game on Sunday? Yes. I think I've missed three in a row. <laughs> Well, last weekend I was thinking of taking Atlanta that I switched it to the Colts at the end, so I was kicking myself over way, that. No I, one's paying I, attention. Sc- Come on. I'm scrolling through some of these NFL. Mark, do we like the Bears minus three at home against the Falcons? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think I'd stay away from that game. It could be a Justin Fields uh, trial game for the Falcons if they trade for him in the offseason. We'll see. And then the other thing I, that I'm looking at here is if Trevor Lawrence is not playing, Jaguars getting Jaguars are minus six against the Panthers. I don't, th- I don't think the Panthers could keep that somewhat close. I mean, you would think so. Jacksonville never wins at home, right? I mean, they never win at home, but it is the Panthers, right? I mean, it is the Panthers. Now, Mark Dykton needs Jacksonville to win more than his Bears. Who yes. cares about his Bears? <laughs> yep. He doesn't want he doesn't want Carolina fooling around here at the end of the season and trying to ruin anything which I don't think they're going to. But again, the Panthers have two wins and the Cardinals have three wins and the Cardinals are absolutely going to go on the road and lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, you know that's happening. No, that is a great, great point. I will lead off here for our Colts and Raiders pick. Um, I'm going to go with Colts 2013. I think the Braden Smith, Michael Pittman Jr. availability, uh, likely availability, if you want to even say that, I think is huge. Um, I think you could see Jonathan Taylor have a, a, a moment or two in this game, which we haven't really seen a lot from him uh, in that area. Uh, so I, I think that's a possibility, a little bit freer runner than I thought. Just a hair tentative, and obviously the O-line had some issues last week, which was the biggest um, I think reason for the lack of a run game. And then lastly, I just don't think Aiden O'Connell can test the Julian Blackman absence enough. Um, I I think if you were playing maybe a more seasoned quarterback or even a more vertical passing game, you'd have concerns there. But I just don't think the Raiders are capable of doing that. Um, So I will go with Colts 20, Raiders 13. Yeah, I'll go next. I I guess I'm going to ride with the Raiders on this one. Uh, The last couple weeks, I've leaked confidence on what to do with the Colts. They've been up and down. They've lost a game where they've looked bad. They've responded where they looked great. Uh, And then they came back to earth, I would say, in Atlanta. And what I mean by that is some of the guys that played so well against the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have the same mojo in that second game. Uh, So I'm going to go Raiders 24-23. um, I'm going to have, you know, kind of a, a near the end of the game, game winning field goal is going to have is going to be how I have this one looking out. You know, if you look to me, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor, something I didn't know looking at ESPN, the last three times he has faced the Raiders, he's went over 100 yards, 62 rushes, 405 yards and four scores yeah. uh, in those three games. Can he do that here? I, I think what worries me is. Is Pittman going to play? I feel confident he's going to play, but I felt confident last week that he was going to play. So, so picking, if he plays, do you still go Raiders? 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. But if I knew he was, you know, downright healthy, I, I, it would probably sway me just a little bit because they don't look that bad last week, right? They don't look that bad if Michael Pittman's out there. So the Pittman stuff worries me, uh, and it just worries me that secondary has been strong. The defense the last couple weeks for the Raiders has been strong. Do they make life difficult? Because you know, even with Pittman, people know how to play the Colts. You know, Coach Venturi's talked about this, that bear defense, uh, you know, put those corners on an island, which the Raiders can do, and see if Minshew can go down the field, stop the run, and make them play kind of in front of you. Uh, that's going to be what I think they're going to want to do. That defensive line's playing well. If Minshew can go out and have a special moment, they can win the game. I really am interested, though, if the Colts are going to be able uh, to run the football. I do tend to agree with you that Aiden O'Connor Connell is not going to be able to burn the Colts, that he's not going to be able to expose that uh, injury and absence to Julian Blackman. Uh, In the end, I'll go Raiders. I'll go a close game. And we walk in here on Tuesday wondering, hey, are the Colts going to be out of the playoffs? They probably would be. We'll see what happens, though, this weekend. 24-23 is going to be my final. Let's hope the Colts have the Steelers game on loop this week in the film room uh, containing... T.J. Watt, like they did, hopefully they can do the same for Max Crosby, get a solid offensive line performance, and then just torch their defense. I've got the Colts. They've got a chance to get to 500 at Lucas Oil Stadium, which is something that has been a struggle yeah, for a while. pretty good. Give me the Colts 23-17 to beat the Raiders this week. Uh, KB, let me ask you this. Okay. All right. Let me ask you this. If there was something in your analysis, whether it be the Raiders or the Colts, but in the game that you think you could be wrong about what would it be? And to give you time to think, I I think for me, am I overrating what that defensive front for the Raiders has done the last couple weeks? And given that we haven't seen Braden Smith in almost two months, it seems like, uh, or not much, I should say, in the last couple months, I I guess I'm not factoring in how big of a deal that will be on Sunday. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I kind of go a similar thought, but flip it. You know, for me, I've brought up when the O-line has been healthy and played pretty much the entire game, the Colts have had great results. Go back to Tampa a month ago. That was a really good run defense. Todd Bowles is known as a great, you know, run defense coach. uh, And that's really been the one time outside of Pittsburgh you've really ran it super effectively over the last couple of months. Uh, And then I go back to Baltimore earlier in the year when you also kind of controlled the trenches in that game. So, um that may be something I'm overrating. It's like, again, Max Crosby, there's a reason there's another X on that name. And we'll see if we can edit the Max Bowen birth certificate at some point here. Uh, maybe if he earns it. I Maybe you have to earn the second X. Uh, Max Crosby's earned it. Uh, he's a hell of a player. Shane Steichen was you know, pretty abusive in his praise for Max Crosby earlier this week. So that might be the one. Too much credit to Braden Smith. Too much credit to this O-line responding like they did from Cincinnati to Pittsburgh. That would be where I would point. But I will say, you said last second field goal, Daniel Carlson, uh, I've had him on the old fantasy team. That, that, that dude's got a booming leg mm-hmm. uh, and has made some big kicks when the Colts and Raiders have matched up here in years past. One more hour to go. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. One more hour get you into the weekend. Hopefully everyone, of course, had a great Christmas, New Year's. Uh, we'll be back again. No show on Monday. Back at it on Tuesday. And as always, broadcasting live from the drivehuber.com studios. You miss anything, check us out, 1075thefan.com or download the app. Uh, listen live, podcasts, blogs, and much more, 1075thefan.com. All right, let's get to Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts here on this football Friday, a big one there. Pre-game coverage beginning 9 a.m. right here on The Fan between the Colts and Raiders. Matt, a good morning and a happy holidays to you. How are you, my man? I'm good, fellas. What's going on? Happy New Year. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us. KB, do you want to do this? Uh, Kevin just made a uh, an analogy that he used Elf well. <laughs> he used Elf on the Shelf, and we always ask Matt Taylor for an analogy. So do you want to start there, Kevin? Do we want an yeah, analogy yeah. from Matt? And just in case we're putting Matt on the spot, Matt, let me explain um, here. Okay, so I'm watching Browns and Bears a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden Mark Sanchez is comparing Joe Flacco to the elf on the shelf, saying that he is the calming influence. All parents can nod their heads around the United States, around the world, uh, at Joe Flacco being the calming elf on the shelf for the Cleveland Browns. And I said, in a way, uh, Tyrese Halliburton's got that vibe for the Pacers. Chaos is happening. The lead is evaporating. Rick Carlisle says, Elf, number zero, you go in the game and you calm everything down. As the man that gives us an analogy every Friday with the Colts, yay or nay? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Listen, who, who am I? Who am I to judge a cheesy analogy, all right? I mean, me of all people, I can, I can certainly – uh, nod my head with that. It's not where I would have gone. I don't think I ever would have thought of that. But, um, yeah, Mark Sanchez might be having some little kids and, yet, you know, trying to find some creative different ways to, uh, you know, get the elf and shelf and the shelf involved this holiday season. So, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm here for it, man. I mean, what do you guys think? I think it's pretty good now that well, I've had some time to have it resonate I, a little bit. <laughs> I sensed a skeptical tone in your voice when you first offered the answer. I think those actions speak loud. That was a Peyton Manning body language. <laughs> Told me everything on the Manning cast. I don't need to hear your words. That was an audio shrug of the shoulders, I guess that's what <laughs> Now, having said that what do you got for us coming up sunday at one o'clock you know for for this game you know to me if if the raiders win this game that's the equivalent of having like a couple of extra hundred dollars um in your bank account right here at the beginning of the month right the first of the month so the rent is due or the mortgage is due and if the raiders win this game man all of a sudden that mortgage comes out of your bank account and you're scraping by with just a couple extra hundred bucks for the next you know two weeks before you get paid again that's what this is you know you're you're not you're not completely dead in the water you're not completely you know financially sunk but man you're in trouble raiders win yeah if the raiders win this game you're going to need a boatload of help and you're going to be scraping by, and you're going to need a lot of things to go your way in order to survive and hopefully make the playoffs. That's that's my analogy for this week. I, I like that one. That's a good one. I like one. it. Yeah, that's KB, that's a good one. He's he's clutch. Yeah, Matt, that's one of his better ones. It really is. Matt Taylor with us, Payless Liquors Hotline. Let me ask you this. You know, you go through a schedule, and then it changes, you know, midway through the year when you see, well, this team's better than I thought, or this team's worse, and, and no doubt, you know, there's some people that thought the Colts an easy win, and, you know, you end up losing to the Colts. Uh, the Raiders 
are one of those teams for me. I mean, we're a couple weeks separated, Matt, from this team losing 3 nothing to the Minnesota Vikings. Over 80 points the last two weeks at defense has been wreaking havoc. How much, I guess, and I ask you know, a few different people this, this week, how much the last couple weeks has it changed your thoughts on what we may see on Sunday? You know, I think they're very formidable. I mean, I think they're playing some really good football right now. They're inspired. You know, they're motivated to to play well. Um, for Antonio Pierce, I think a lot of the guys inside that locker room like playing for him. You know, they like the culture that he has instilled in a short amount of time. They want to see him get the job on a long-term basis. Um, so with that in mind, they're, I think they're a completely different football team, just sort of, um, you know, motivationally. Um, I think just – They've got a lot of um, inspiration to play well for him. Um, but, but I think also, too, you know, the things that plagued them early in the season, I wouldn't say they've completely rectified them, but, you know, their problems in the first eight games aren't sort of their problems now. I mean, specifically, if you look at the running game, you know, I know uh, for, for, the, for the entire season, right, totality of the year, they still rank 31st in rushing. But under Pierce, they're running the ball well. They're taking the ball away. Um, you know, they're stopping the run for the most part. They're getting takeaways. I think right now their their uh, turnover margin uh, under Pierce in the last seven games is plus five, whereas under McDaniel's it was really really bad. It was in the negatives there. Um, so I mean, a lot of those things are kind of circumstantial, right? You can't really. Uh, point to all of those things directly to just the, the change of the head coaching position, but it does tell you that guys are are fighting, um, and they do kind of believe the, the, the tone that they're getting now from a different voice. But again, I, I think you know, offensively, they're not going to be confused with you know, the best offenses in the NFL, right? They're not San Francisco or Dallas or Philadelphia or Kansas City. Um, but what they are getting right now from their, from their offense is the running game. Again, they're 31st in the NFL and rushing for the entire season, but they have been over 100 yards in five of their last seven and they're leaning on that part of the offense here in this two-game winning streak. They gashed the Chargers, and they really put it to the Chiefs last, uh, or I guess on Monday on Christmas Day. You know, they ran for a season high 157 against the Chiefs, and that was huge. Obviously, in a game where you know Aiden O'Connell doesn't complete a pass past the first quarter, um, it's really, really interesting right now. If you look at their running, and I've, I've completely nerded out on this, and I apologize, but this is something that I found just really interesting about this team and kind of going through their game logs and tracking things and, and trying to find some trends. When they're able to rely on the running game and when they're able to have success in that part of their offense, they're almost unbeatable. And it sounds weird to say, but when they, uh, when they are able to afford themselves to take the pressure off the quarterback, when they're able to um, you know, take control of the game, play from advantage, they're kind of like the Tennessee Titans in that regard. Hmm. And a really, really weird stat, but it, it, it just really stood out to me. When they have at least 26 attempts in a game, right, when they have at least 26 rushing attempts in a game, they are 7-0. and When they're under 26 rushing attempts, they are 0-8. So maybe wow. that's a little bit of coincidence, hmm. uh, but I really don't think that it is. I mean, they, they are a team that, you know, they don't have a ton of playmakers. I mean, I know they got Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, but it's not like they're, they're so deep at the skill spots like the Chiefs and some other teams. I mean, they want to be able to run the ball to take pressure off of the quarterback. And when they have success running the ball, again, they're, they're damn near unbeatable, and that's 
that's been the Achilles heel of this Colts defense is stopping the run, you know, in the last two and a half months. He is voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Again, Colts and Raiders coming up 1 o'clock New Year's Eve afternoon. Our coverage will begin at 9. Matt, you've laid out the difference, and I think it's important that you bring up those numbers. There's some really great numbers. Life with Pierce versus life with Josh McDaniels, it's much different. I do think specifically to these last two weeks, though, with the Raiders – the defensive scores, isn't that a bit fluky? Like, isn't that, you know, when I look back to the Chargers game and I look back to the Chiefs game and the stat the NFL sent out this week, which was shocking to me, first team in NFL history to have back-to-back games with two defensive touchdowns, I'm kind of thinking, you know what? Like, that that is not something you can guarantee. Like, I don't right. think that that, you know, you can't just kind of write that down on paper. Like, maybe you can, you know, write some other stuff down. So, yes, they have stars, the rushing numbers, like you said. But I do feel like for Colts fans looking for, like, hope of, like, okay, what could happen on Sunday, you'd like to think you're not going to give the Raiders two scores via defensive touchdowns like these last two opponents have. No, that's exactly right. I mean, you, you can't count on, you know, four defensive touchdowns in the last two games. I mean, no. you know, one of those one of those was kind of a ball-handling error by Patrick Mahomes. The ball just fell right into the – the lap of Bilal Nichols as he runs in eight yards untouched to the end zone. I mean, that was just a, a gift wrap touchdown. The other one was a horrible throw by Mahomes where Jack Jones, you know, comes in there, snares it away, and, and takes it down the sideline for a touchdown. Those are kind of easy layups. Those are more mistakes um, by the Chiefs offense than they were great plays by the Raiders defense, but they were they were plays made, and, and you know, you're never going to apologize for a win, and you're never going to apologize for getting touchdowns by the defense. So, yeah, I think as long as the Colts take good care of the football in this game and they're smart with it and they don't put it in harm's way and they don't get behind the chains, right, they're not facing third and long against that pass rush, you know, and you, you make the Raiders, you know, have to just beat you straight up, play offense to beat you, that should bode well for the Colts. But, you know, their, their pass rush is – it can wreak havoc on you, and it's good enough to force you into some turnovers. That, to me, was the part of that Chiefs game, just kind of watching it in the background, you know, on Christmas Day or among all the hustle and bustle. That that was the, the part of the game I was most impressed by from the Raiders. It's just they had such good, you know, lane integrity. They had such good uh, pass rush discipline where they just kept pushing Mahomes further and further away from the line of scrimmage. They didn't get, you know, seven and eight sacks. They got him four times, but he just kept having to, you know, wheel his way out of traffic or baseball turn his way like a center fielder away from a pass rusher. And then, boom, there's another one in his face coming from the other side. So I was really impressed with just their discipline up front with Crosby and Kuntz. I mean, Kuntz has five sacks in the last two games combined. So they're very formidable, and they're dangerous enough to, you know, force you into some some bad mistakes and then to you know, take the football away. That's what the Colts have to be leery of in this game because I think if they take good care of the ball and they're able to run the ball against the Raiders, they should be able to beat them straight up because I just think they're a better team. They've got better personnel up front on both sides of the ball. Matt Taylor with us here on the Fans of Football Friday. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, 
I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. being back, Braden Smith being back. Boy, if you can lock it up and those guys can stay healthy. We know what happened with Pittman, the uh, the brain injury, the concussion, the last couple weeks. We saw what that offense looked like or didn't look like without Pittman. But if you bring Braden back, you bring Pittman. Boy, we can get to Julian Blackman here in a second. But that offense suddenly gets a lot healthier. Zach Moss, you would imagine, would play as well. How big would those additions be? especially we know the Colts, much like the Raiders, they need to be able to run the ball better than they have maybe, you know, two of the last three weeks. I mean, all of those are huge. I mean, I don't know if you're ranking them, how you uh, decipher the the order of the priority in terms of uh, who who being back is is more significant for this offense because they're all really, really important. You know, Braden Smith coming back is big off the edge because Max Crosby primarily lines up on the defensive uh, left side, which means he's going to be paired up against the right tackle. So it be really big to get Braden Smith back in this game. And then we saw what the offense looked like last week without Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, I saw something the other day that really stood out to me. I mean, Pittman's got 99 catches on the season. He's got his, – his catch total is more than Josh Downs and Alec Pierce's seasons combined. Um, so that's that's really, really – um, I don't know if it's if it's a troubling stat, but that's the reality of where the Colts are this season in terms of their reliance on number eleven. You know, getting some big catches, moving the sticks, and you know, just having contested catches that that are timely for this offense. I mean, we saw what it was like, you know, last Sunday. The Colts couldn't push the ball outside the numbers, and they couldn't push the ball vertically, and therefore everything from the defense from Atlanta was near the line of scrimmage. The Colts couldn't run the ball, and you know, on the inside of that defense between the guards, um, it was just really tough sled. And it was like playing the game on a fifteen or twenty yard field, uh, considering the lack of pop the Colts had in that game without Michael Pittman Jr. And then the running game too gets solidified with you know Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss potentially back in the backfield at the same time. So um, yeah, again, and I don't know how, I don't know how you rank those th- three things, but I mean, I think just Braden Smith being back up front really, really helps and, and should give you some, um, you know, should, you should sleep better at night if you're Shane Steichen, knowing that you're going to have, you know, a six-year pro trying to slow down one of the best edge rushers in the game. He's got 13 and a half sacks. And the thing about Crosby, you watch him, they split him out so wide sometimes away from the tackle. So he gets that harsh a harsh edge, harsh angle towards the quarterback. And if he doesn't have it initially, he's not afraid to dip inside and, and kind of twist and stunt inside towards a, a guard where, you know, a player like Will Fries has to pick him up. So, um, you know, offensive line-wise, they got to be on their P's and Q's because they got Koontz, they got Nichols, and they've got certainly Max Crosby all wreaking havoc. It's going to be really big to have, you know, communication and a lot of experience on the right side of that offensive line in this game. He is voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Colts a slight favorite in this one coming up Sunday, 1 o'clock against the Raiders. Last one from me, Matt. Obviously, you mentioned the good injury news this week with Braid Smith and Michael Pittman Jr. seemingly trending in the right direction, if I could steal a phrase from Chuck Pagano. Uh, we did see Julian Blackman go on injured reserve, though, earlier this week. Uh, where do you think Blackman's loss will be felt the most? And, and could it be a little bit like, almost not even showing up in the box score if you catch my drift a little. Yeah, well, hopefully it it, it doesn't show up. But, I mean, I think the things that you sort of take for granted when you have, you know, a player like Julian and his personality and his experience 
and just his savviness is just getting guys lined up and having sort of that sixth sense, that 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 instinctual um, ability about him. You know, he just had he's just really really smart, right? He's a brilliant player, you know, cerebral, um, and I just think that that comes from playing. But I just think that's more. It, it speaks to his passion for the game. Um, his nose in the playbook, watching hours upon hours of film. Um, and again, I, I mentioned his personality. He's just a really overly communicative guy. And he's a leader by nature. And again, not that Nick Cross doesn't have all of those things, but Julian is just a special, special guy. And the unfortunate part uh, of the timing of this for Julian, as you guys know, he's going to be a free agent. And so his future here in Indianapolis is kind of murky, right? He's going to be a free agent coming up in the spring and the Colts have a hard decision there because they've got the financials of an experienced player, but also at the same time we've drafted at that position. We've got Rodney Thomas. We've got Nick Cross. We're going to be younger. They're going to be cheaper. Um, And the reality is they don't have the injury history that Julian does. And I know he hates to hear that, but that's that factors into all this as well. Um, but I, I love Julian as a person. I love him as a player. He was just an iron man for this team. I think prior to last week, he only missed, only missed two snaps on the season. He does all the dirty work. And Kevin, I think you're spot on when you bring up all of the intangibles, um, that he does that don't show up in the box score. Hopefully that those are things that the Colts are not going to miss without having a, a really, you know, all things considered still a very young, player Nick Cross playing uh, at safety coming up on Sunday. I mean, for Cross, he's still only 22 years old. Last year, he was barely 21. I think he turned 21 at the beginning of the season. So this is still going to be his only his third start of his career, his first since week two of last year. I think he's light years um, ahead of where he was, uh, certainly at the beginning of last season in terms of comfort and the trust the coaches have in him. But I think you're still going to be missing something intangibly and, and from a leadership standpoint without Julian Blackman. Um, but I'm rooting for Nick Cross. I think he's a good kid. And I'm, 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 I'm hoping for his sake that he can come in, play at a high level, and, and not have that big drop-off just in terms of communication and schematic lining up, if you will, um, with, with him being out there. I think he and Ronnie Thomas compliment one another. But, again, from a personal level, not having Julian Blackman out there, that's really, really disappointing because he was just having a great season heading into a contract year. Yeah, I mean, I brought up the story earlier in the week, Matt. I remember Gus Bradley sharing a conversation he had with Philip Rivers about Rivers' impressions with the Colts in the one season he was here. And the guy that Rivers first mentioned, it wasn't Buckner, it wasn't Leonard, it wasn't Kenny Moore, it was Julian Blackman as a, as a mm-hmm. rookie safety coming off the ACL, didn't practice a whole lot in that offseason program. Again, the COVID year, you know, that's the guy you know, that, that, that Rivers mentions first. So um, I know he's not a name we discuss a whole, whole lot. It's probably the first time, hell, I've asked you about him on one of these Friday segments. But I am curious, the well, loss of him, the domino effect of that. And, and I do feel like I don't know if the Raiders can test that. But again, I think there are some ways that maybe you don't see as obvious in the box score that you will feel Blackman's loss. Well, and I, I think... I think you're exactly right. And I think the reason, I mean, you say we don't spend a lot of time talking about him is because he's always there and he always does his job. I mean, he's kind of yes. like an mm-hmm. offensive lineman. The only reason why you're not, you're, you're, the only reason why you're going to talk about an offensive lineman is if, you know, things are going negatively, right? If things are going poorly, if he's doing his job, 
you know, he's kind of like out of sight, out of mind because the offensive line is performing well. That that's that's Julian Blackman. Yeah. He does. He's the, the seventh job inning so well. reliever that keeps the lead. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, and and again, he had been such a consistent force for the Colts in the secondary. Um, you you kind of took him for granted a little bit just because he was always there. And you know, you talk about just his leadership and uh, again his his just innate ability to to communicate. I mean, there were times, and Kevin, I'm sure you've seen this or noticed this, you know, especially in the spring when it's not as uh, intense or when there's not as many, you know, media people out there. You know, in the spring and OTAs, you know, the, the Colts are practicing on that, that one field that's closest to the building where the media can, can be out there and get a good uh, view of, of things going on at practice. I mean, you always hear one voice. And it's, it's, it's one guy just sort of screaming, and you hear this one voice above everything else out there, and it's Julian Blackman because he just has that, again, that sixth sense of, of leadership, that natural leadership quality about him where he's just talking and getting guys lined up, and he's not afraid of it, and he's just that, that's just who he is from a, from a you know, player standpoint. Um, those are the things – you hope that Nick Cross can pick up in short order with two games to go and then how big and how critical these last two games are for the Colts. Now, I think that's well said. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts again, 1 o'clock coming up on Sunday. It is Colts and Raiders from Lucas Oil Stadium. Mate, do we get? Do we know when we're going to get a kickoff time for Colts-Texans? Is that going to be some uh, – do we have to wait till Monday? Surely not. Sometime on Sunday, I w- right? I would suspect – I mean, the last time the Colts were in this situation, if memory serves, it was 2018, right? Remember that winning your end game between the Colts and the yeah, Titans, Titans that year? Yeah, I, I think I think we knew – I think we knew like at halftime of the Sunday night game of the week before that. So I think you're going to know before you go to bed on Sunday night what time that Colts-Texans game is. As we wait for the ball to drop then on New Year's Eve. Uh, <laughs> Mate, have a great call, man, coming Appreciate up on Sunday, it. and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you Friday. All right, my pleasure, guys. Happy New Year.